Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Oh, gosh, Marjorie, deep breaths in the holiday season. It's nice to be back with you. <laughs> yes, it's nice to be back. I feel energized. I feel like I'm at 90%. I'm getting back to healthy. It's very exciting, just in time for the holidays. Oh, good. Great. You sound good. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so today I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I love it when the conversation continues. So when we talk about something and then I hear from listeners who send me emails or messages and then we can kind of continue that on the podcast and then just sort of shift into a new topic. So we're going to continue with mom guilt a little bit today and then we're going to move on to burnout. Aren't these two wonderful topics? We yeah. promise happy, we'll have fun. <laughs> happy holidays, everybody. But I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal about it was really addressing burnout and careers, mm-hmm. but there were four questions which we'll get to, which I answered yes to all of them. And I thought, oh, that's that's a heads up. <laughs> we we need to talk about this. So but it, it it I do want to go back to like you said to mom guilt because I think that was a pretty if I do say so myself, a pretty powerful episode in talking about what you were going through because of something that had happened with Bernie and school. But you got some great responses. And I love we love the email. We love the responses. You can direct message me on Instagram because it makes us feel like we really are in conversation with all of you, which matters yeah. to us. So thank yeah. you for that, first of oh, all. I love it. I totally do. I feel like mm-hmm. the, nothing makes me happier than when I'm out and about and people people are always kind of like, you know, they're like, oh, hi, it's you from the show. And then they'll grab my arm and they'll be like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love Best to the Nest so much. Oh, oh my gosh, sweet. I love the pot. Like, I love listening to you and Marjorie. And the, it, to me, it's interesting how, like, when people respond to the show, to Twin Cities Live, which is right. so wonderful, they're like very, oh my gosh. And then when it comes to the podcast, it's more like, oh, I love it. Like, it feels like a more intimate connection. I don't know. There's right. just something really special right. about it. So we, right. we it could really, it be that we cry on the podcast? Probably. I mean, I do, I do cry a, a lot just in general, but particularly. <laughs> On the podcast. And, you know, I've talked about two specific instances of mom guilt, really. And and I am open about this, that I don't I don't really subscribe to mom guilt. Right. And I, 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 I generally try to keep it out of my world because I don't think it does me a lot of good. That's just me. Um, right. But there are instances, uh, like I talked about in, in the episode a few episodes ago, where I talked about just we really had a big blow up of, uh, about an event at Bernie School that we all were like going to and I was trying to fit in too many things and then it all just sort of imploded and I had this really crushing feeling of if I was not working, I would not have missed that. Right. If I was home... I would not have missed it. And it would have been an experience that we all would have enjoyed versus an experience that left literally everyone crying in the house. I mean, it was just like, 
ridiculous. And then the other times that I really experience mom guilt happen when my kids are sick. And I've talked about this before and I've just been going, I, I've, I've had like a run the last couple of weeks of like, I've had two weeks in a row of every single one of my children, at least one has been out of school for various reasons every single day. And so it's been like this constant tag team of trying to figure out how we're going to make the day work. But when my children are sick, I feel guilty because my first reaction to them being sick is not oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, how can I help you? It's, holy crap, what am I going to do about this day? Yeah, you are not alone in that feeling. And that it's is, such a bad feeling. Yeah, I hate it's it. It's horrible. Actually, my mom did really well, and I've talked pretty honestly about certain things of having a, a working mother, but one of the things she really did well is that's when I really felt like her attention was on me. She did sick well, <laughs> but she also worked at a time when I think it was easier. Her her schedule was easier to adjust. And yeah. you're particularly sort of like what I would call landlocked in your job. Right. Like you have to show up every day. Yeah, like they you, don't they, – it doesn't go well if I don't. Yeah. And so that's – you're in a very sort of rare era in that sense of like it's really hard for you – to say, oh, my child's sick, I need to stay home. Other mm -hmm. jobs, it's easier. And so I always felt like when I was sick, that's when my mom would always up her game. She was really good at that. And I think that was always the hard part for me too, is when my kids were sick, if I was locked into something, it was hard to to give them the sick experience that I wanted to give them. And I'll never forget, there was once when Gar was sick and he was probably, gosh, we were living in Nashville at the time. And... Ian had to take, because Ian was on the air, I was working at a news station, yeah. Ian had to pack him up in his little footy pajamas and bring him to the studio with oh, him. Boy. It feels horrible. It feels that horrible. just feels horrible. I know. And so, and and also, it's horrible to bring a sick kid to work. I mean, that's yeah. just bad on Really frowned levels. upon now. They don't even let you do it. I tried yeah, the other day. I tried on Wednesday the and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was the 90s. Somehow he got away with it. But it is a horrible feeling because I totally get it. Your first reaction is logistics. It's Not logistics. the fact that they're six. It's no. logistics because no. that's how you survive. I know. And that feels bad because I don't want my kids feeling sick, feeling like that. Like yeah. I don't want their understanding of them being sick is that, oh, shoot, I have to tell yeah. mom and she's going to be bummed <laughs> yes. like I'm an inconvenience to her. Because then exactly. what does that say about how they manage their health throughout their lives? I mean, this has been yeah. another thing about it is that do I want children – do I want to raise children who turn into adults – who just feel like they have to power through everything and they can never slow down and give their bodies rest when they need it. Like that's essentially what happens. I mean, that's what's happening if you give kids the message that them being sick is a pain and unacceptable. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. and I, so, cause then you raise people who are like me, who are, then <laughs> you turn into adults <laughs> that are like me. And it's, it's a struggle. So anyway, that's where the mom guilt comes in and that's where the conversation went on the podcast and then it continued on to email. And so I got an email from a woman who was such a, I've had such lovely interactions with her and I hope she doesn't mind. I'm not going to share her name, but I am going to read some of her words, but I actually met her. She's a listener of the podcast, a lover of best to the nest. And I met her this summer when our kids happened to be in the same like week long summer camp deal. Oh, that's great. And she was like, Oh my gosh, it's you. And it was just really wonderful. There was like a parent day and I got to go and it was very fun. And 
so she jokes that I'm her panic attack slash children's farm friend, <laughs> which is very oh, funny fun. when she, because she then shared with me some of her experiences as well and is, um, you know, and I'm just so appreciative of everyone who is, it just shares gratitude that I open up about vulnerable things because it can be really risky to do that. And so when yeah. you're, when you're given that validation of, oh my gosh, I felt, have felt that too. And I appreciated you sharing it. It certainly makes it all worth it. So she said, thank you again for sharing so vulnerably on the podcast about mom guilt. You are so brave and open and moms in the thick of it can really understand where you're at and how you're feeling. Can I gently offer one nugget that was given to me that might help? To which I say, yes, you can. Of course. We'll take all nuggets. And then she said, if not, or if this feels like too much, stop reading and go watch Netflix and have some ice cream. You know, whatever. Oh, I like her already. It's a very lovely way to share an idea. Right. And she said, I was feeling all the same feelings you described. It felt like agony leaving my one-year-old at daycare to travel into Minneapolis. When we found out we were pregnant with our second, I spent a portion of most days crying in the bathroom feeling hopeless. Hmm. And she said a friend slash priest suggested I do an exercise. He said for three weeks, act as though you've made a decision. For me, it was leaving my full-time role in marketing and taking a part-time job. He suggested I journal every day about how life is going, what we're doing, what our days look like. I felt so alive. I would write hypothetically about doing ECFE, park play dates, walks to the coffee shop, feeling rested. Then he said, spend three weeks acting as though you made no change. For me, that was returning to work full time after maternity leave. I knew after the first day I couldn't go on. Oh, interesting. She said, I resisted a bit, letting scarcity thinking get the best of me. What about health benefits? What about income? What about my career? He told me to try this discernment process and trust that God, the universe, higher power would provide. And he did. We've since used that exercise several times. Our life looks so different than I ever imagined. And we now live in a small town 60 miles south of the cities, and we love it. Our kids are now all in elementary school, and this year I returned full-time to the workforce, again, trusting slash discerning, and it's been so good. Thinking of you, remember you are not alone in this. That Here's what's so beautiful about how she wrote that. Oh, it's beautiful. Is is the reminder that discernment is personal Mm -hmm. and that everybody comes to their own life in their own way, but that the greatest hope is that you do discern. Right. You know what I mean? I think sometimes we go back and forth, you know, working moms, not working moms. What's best? What's good for kids? What's good for you? How do you find your happiness? How do you find all of that chatter that goes on about what our lives should look like? Boy, that's the truth. The chatter word, Marjorie. Oh, and when you just, said that, I like had a visceral reaction because it, I feel like a lot of my time is spent going, what if I did this? Well, what if we did this? Well, what yep. if I did this? What if I hired this person? What if I made this yep. work? Yep. <laughs> It's oh, just, and it, yeah, it, it, it's exhausting. And I love, so thank you. I love that because I can't, if, 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 if you, if, if you're suffering from mom guilt or burnout, which we're going to talk about in a minute, discernment, that's the word. That's the takeaway word for today. Yeah. Is sit in that. I love that exercise too. I did not do that, but certainly the path that I chose when my children were, were young, was not the path that any of my friends chose, any of them, or my sisters. And my path was my own and was probably judged. But I will tell you, I knew it was the path for me. Right. And I have no regrets. Is it the path for you? Is it the path for anybody listening? Who knows? It was the path for me. 
And I did go through a certain amount of discernment to get to that place. Still hard. No toys about it. There were times of great insecurity, but it was my path. And so I, that is such a valuable email. I, I love that. That's I know. fantastic. I do too. Get rid of I, the chatter. Get rid, get of, the rid chatter of the chatter and discern. And, and discern. do, and then that exercise, that three weeks and then that That's three great. weeks, and then it might not even take you that long. And I think the change could mean different things. You know, the yep. change can be, you know, for her, she was looking at like, okay, so my, her, her option was to, to shift to a part-time job or right. continue with her full-time job. And your option might be to, to hire more help, to move yep. closer to something, to yep. switch your kids to a school where everybody's in the same school or like whatever it is, I think that you're sort of struggling with to really visualize what could that change look like? What would be the things that would be sort of on that change list? And then to write down what your feelings about it are. It's interesting because what we're all trying to do is we're trying to be present in the moments that are important to us. And I got another email from a listener who said, I just had to write to you after listening to the latest Best to the Nest podcast on mom guilt. Yes, yes, yes. She said, I too work full time and I have to because of our financial situation and for the things we want to do. Vacations, kids want to be in sports. She said, if I allow myself to be honest, I'm sad and disappointed and resentful, question mark, eek, that I am not home all day. I would have loved to be the one who cares for everyone. Right now I do that anyway to the best of my ability and it is never really fulfilling because I am often empty from being stretched too thin. And in the area I live, most moms do not work. And I've noticed even school meetings and activities for parent involvement do not consider the working mom slash parents when scheduling. Yeah. For example, 10 a.m. on a Friday morning for PTA, right? I mean, not going to happen this all the time for a lot of, yeah, it's not going to happen. happen. The days and the years have passed. And now my kids ages 16 and 12 beg me not to meet them for lunch or watch their presentations. How embarrassing. And she went on and say, my kids are older and I regret not speaking up and doing what I felt was my calling to fully mother and care for my family, if even part time. And she said, do what feels right in your gut. I sense you're stirring. And then she went on and said, I also love that you're honest about attending therapy. Let's normalize this. Hashtag yeah. normalize therapy. Please do. Yes. We love you. therapy here. We love it. We we're both have fans. done it. Lots of it. But, you know, we're trying to always then, if you're looking at your life, you're always going to have regrets, right? You're always going to look back and go, boy, I could have done that a little bit better or a little bit differently. But at the same time, you're trying, to, the goal is to minimize that. The goal is to look back and go, I valued the things that were in line with what was important to me. And I prioritized those things. And I spent my time, my energy, and my financial and, and other resources accordingly. Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, we're speaking for women. I mean, because that's, that's sort of our club here is primarily we're talking about what we're going through as women. And Ian and I had such an interesting conversation last night because our son called and he said, Campbell called last night and said, Hey, dad, I love this Phil Collins song. Do you know this Phil Collins song, Take Me Home? Mm, I probably do. It's a great, it's a great pop song. And so I, I was on the conversation with him and I said, did I miss a conversation about Phil Collins? Because Phil Collins is like, he was from Genesis. He's an, he's an artist from the 90s. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's nothing better when your 27-year-old son calls and you're having a conversation about old music. I mean, it's just the best. I love it. And he's like, he said, I know it's a, like a pop song and 
Campbell's tastes are pretty eclectic in terms of music. And he's like, but I got to tell you, I just love it. And so I said to Campbell, I said, well, if you love that song, you've got to listen to a song called Celebrate Me Home by Kenny Loggins, which is just a beautiful, these are beautiful holiday songs. And then Ian was saying, well, then if you're going to listen to that, you got to go listen to Mike and the Mechanics, (laughs) a song called In the Living Years. And if you haven't listened to that song, Elizabeth, you have to. Everybody go listen to these songs. I swear, if you aren't crying by the end of those three songs, then you don't have a heart. So In the Living Years is all about sort of not missing the valuable time. Yeah. And Ian has always – it's why I loved partnering with him as a parent is he was very aware of his father's shortcomings. Mm -hmm. Ian's father was like the sweetest man in the world but just – sort of an odd duck and had some trauma for himself as a child. And that affected the kind of father that he was and very much a man trying to survive in the fifties and sixties and seventies, what that meant for being a man of that time. So all of that having been said, Ian very early on was really clear about the kind of father that he was going to be. And it was going to be a father that was present. And he was, and this is the part I overheard when he was talking to Campbell. He said, you know, Campbell, listen to that song and know that I have no regrets in the kind of father that I was. And it's such a cool thing to be able to look back at your life with your kids and say, I don't have any regrets. That's amazing. Well, I mean, here's the kind of dad Ian was when the kids were little, which is the time that they really need you. Every Friday, I think it was a Friday or Thursday at their little public school was, I think Campbell was in second grade and Gar was in fourth grade, the ice cream man would come. And so every Friday, Ian would go and he would go up to the ice cream guy and say, ice cream for everybody. And so he would buy ice cream for the whole class. And so when we moved, all the kids made cards for him. (sighs) And they're all just pictures of him with ice cream in his hand. <laughs> but it was such a strong memory for the kids that were not our own, but for our own kids of generosity and fun and togetherness. And to that point, the only reason I thought of it is because those were the times when our kids wanted us to come to school and have lunch with them. Yeah. That changes so quickly. And so, you know, as we're going through all of these things about mom guilt and what you want and what your gut is telling you about the kind of parent you want to be, discern. It goes back to discern again. And what do you want? Ian had a very clear vision of what he wanted that life to look like with his kids. He wanted he wanted a sense of community. He wanted a sense of togetherness. He wanted to be a part of their lives. And he discerned that. I mean, he's a very prayerful, faithful man. And he, and, and, and so that, and I think that's why that idea of discernment is hitting me so hard is because I'm, I'm very much a doer and not necessarily, I wouldn't like pick apart my life and the strands of my life, but because of who I was partnered with, that was the, that was modeled for me. And as a now 57-year-old woman, I can say that was so, so valuable is to sit and say, what do I really want my life to look like? Mm -hmm. And you know this with three kids. It's amazing how you don't do it. Like you think, okay, of course I would do that. But we all know that in the busyness of life, that sort of thoughtfulness, those kind of exercises can get lost and five years will pass. Yeah. 
like that in a blink of an eye. So I think it's it's really cool that women, both of those emails together, I think are super powerful. I think so too. I love that. And I also, I, I you know, I think it doesn't necessarily have to mean leaving your job. You know, it no. doesn't necessarily have no. to mean that you're going, okay, I know I, you know, this, this means I need to be home for me. What it's really meant in terms of kind of like analyzing that moment of mom guilt and thinking about where I'm at to me, it's really about looking at, at just always erring on the side of less busy always. Yeah. I mean, and like significantly because, and, and talk about therapists. I mean, when I, when I talk to my therapist and we talk about the type of person that I am, I'm a high output person. Yes, you are. So I, I know that about myself and I know that I can, I mean, sometimes I will say to Jay, (laughs) this is what I was saying. I'm just going to tell you guys this. Sometimes I will say to Jay, I will go, do you understand how much I have accomplished in one day? I do not think that anyone is accomplishing as much as I'm accomplishing in this one day. There is no way that you're accomplishing as much as I'm accomplishing. It's unbelievable how much I can crank out in one day. Yeah. Now I say this and we laugh about it and it's very, and then he's like, I know, uh you know, we have a really funny time about it, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And so what I work on a lot is that when you are a person who I consider my like my high level of productivity and achievement to be really one of my best qualities. I mean, it's something I'm very proud of and I've been proud of for a long time. But the problem is, is that when you are that type of person, you can often miss the warning signs of when it's too much because yeah. you are just used to plowing through and and i don't want to live like that so for me it's not even looking at like what can i accomplish sure i can i can have my head spinning and do a million things it's literally like trying to cut it down by like 50% yeah and and not feeling and just feeling fine about that and well, I, I, that's good cuz i have got i have got to have some more breathing room i have to have more breathing room well, which will bring us to burnout. But at the same time, I mean, I think what's really important is the realization when you're a high output person and that's a part of your identity and that's important, that served you really well in your 20s and 30s. Right. Because when you're single or even just when you're a couple, that's a bonus. Right. Like that's a great thing. And when but you're building your career, that's like a it, hustle. I mean, that helps you get oh, to the next level. It's the only way you get to in in the careers that we've had in media. It's the only way you get to you got to outwork everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talent's one thing, and you definitely have that. I mean, you have tons of talent, but to get to the next level, it is the hustle. Yeah, it's the hard work. It's yeah. being able. It's and I think in a lot of ways, and maybe this is true in other professions, it's the ability to turn, mm-hmm. to just keep turning, mm-hmm. and so that works well in your twenties and thirties. Kids change everything, yeah. and that's the problem is because you can't look at them and say, "Hey, aren't you so proud of mommy?" Because I accomplished a lot today. No, they don't care. They, they don't, don't care because no. they want your time. They just yeah. want you. They don't want the accomplishments. And so it, it's so funny that you're at that point where you, you really do realize that. But I think that's therapy and you're self-aware and you're smart. So good for you. That's, and how you, it, that's where you have to get. Well, and it is tr- to get to that point. I mean, where, where you're not hitting the burnout level. And, and that moves us into the next, you know, sort of phase of this conversation, which of course we spent so much time on the first phase of the conversation, which is not surprising for us at all, because I mean, honest to goodness, Marjorie, (laughs) you know, we used to have a three hour a day radio show. We used to do that show for three hours a day. 
And it was always easy with you. And, and this we is never why. Had a hard, yeah, we never had a hard time figuring out what to talk about. Ever, ever. So I was, so I mentioned this at the beginning of this podcast that I came across this article in the Wall Street Journal. And basically it was about burnout and burnout in your career. Cause obviously COVID has forced a lot of people to rethink how they're living their lives, their jobs, whether they want to go into an office every day. I mean, I think one of the great lasting effects for women in particular of COVID, you got to look for some positive is that it has really forced workplaces to understand that re- or to, to, to confront the idea and to acknowledge that people can work remotely. Yeah. The workplace resisted that for years and years and years. And now there's no getting around it. Business went on. Things went on. People still worked. And so that's been a great thing. But it has also forced this idea of burnout and people reevaluating their lives. So in the article, Elizabeth, there were four questions to see if you might be suffering from burnout. Oh, okay. Quite so frankly, you ask yourself these questions. Yes. And then if you're answering yes to the majority, then you may be having a burnout situation. Yes. Which I think most people who are approaching burnout probably are aware of it. But I thought it was interesting that when I asked answered these four questions, I answered yes to all of them. So here they are. And I'll explain why not having a full-time job right now, why I still suffered from burnout. So the quiz was, the first one is, and I want you to answer, are you finding it hard to concentrate? Mm, not really. Maybe sometimes, but not too bad. Using food, drugs, or alcohol to feel better or simply not feel? No. No, I've been really good about that. Okay. So I'm two for two on the yes. Okay. Here. <laughs> Have your sleep habits changed? Well, my sleep habits have gotten a lot better because Heathcliff is sleeping. So See? I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape with the sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. So this I'm three. <laughs> I'm three for three now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is good. This is good sharing. Do you have unexplained headaches, stomach or bowel problems or other physical complaints? No, listen, I'm really on point with my bowels. Thank yep. you for asking. <laughs> yeah. Uncomfortable conversation right there. Cause yeah. generally we try not to talk about bowels on oh, this whatever. show. Listen, the bowels are, they tell you a lot about your life. You want to look at oh, any, yeah. you want to find out about your health? Ask our friend Senya. She'll tell you to oh, look yeah. at your poo. Oh God. oh, God. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> this is a truth now, of the matter. Now I just want to have one podcast with Senya just talking about poo. A poo podcast. Because I, I think, can we do that? Can we do that? It'd be like uh, a, poop, bl- a, a poop cast. <laughs> oh, Lord. So I am four for four. I am four for four on this. And I will explain quickly and not go into great detail because we will do this at another time. So 10 months ago, my mom moved next door and the idea was that she would be able to live independently Mm -hmm. and she was not. And so I had agreed to something that turned out to be something very different. And I love my mom and I want her to be well, but I was not prepared to be a 24-7 caregiver of an 88-year-old woman who was having a lot of trouble taking care of herself on every level. And I'm not going to go into great detail about that because it's her life and not mine, but use your imagination. Yeah. And it was, and part of it reminded me, Elizabeth, of, you know, when you have kids, your life changes so dramatically. And there's a, there's a reconciliation, I think, for most young mothers of like, oh my God, like my life is not at all what I thought it was going to be. This person is completely dependent on me. But you choose to have children mm-hmm. For the, in most cases. This was a situation which I was not mentally prepared for. 
and and it was having a pretty profound effect on my mental health and on my physical health. Yeah. And so luckily I have a wonderful sister who came about six weeks ago and she said, Marjorie, I know you're trying really hard, but this situation has to end. And she's a physician and she was looking at everything that was going on. And she's like, this is just, it's not healthy for you. Mom's getting sort of Cadillac care, but it can't, this isn't, this isn't good for her either. Yeah. And so on Monday, last Monday, my mom moved into a retirement facility and it was where she probably should have been from the get-go, but all of us were learning all along the way. But it was really fascinating to look at those questions and think, I am so burned out. Like I have lost control of my life and yeah. I am so burned out. And I think that my situation so many times, like what I just went through, the parallels to what it was like to be a new mother were kind of extraordinary. And I'm not infantilizing my mother. She has much more dignity than that. But that idea of not knowing what your day is going to be like, not knowing, and particularly, I think if you have chronically sick children or that idea of of loss of control was so profound for me. And I think that's what burnout is, is that idea of you've completely lost control of your own situation. Yeah, that you are like the hamster on the wheel. Oh, yeah. And But the wheel is going so fast that you can't even catch a step. I mean, and it just never stops. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's when you hit... The burnout point and the difficulty concentrating. I, you know, after I had Heathcliff and when I went back to work, I was trying to like, I was having him home a little bit more. It was still very much in the height of the pandemic. You know, I mean, it's still in the pandemic, but like in the real height where it was just like, you know, it was discussions of like, can I even bring my child to daycare? Is this okay? You know, what is going to happen here? It was so much. And I remember standing in the kitchen And I don't know if you felt this way, but like I would stand in the kitchen and I would have so many things that I needed to do for work and so many things that I needed to do for home, but I would stand there and I couldn't figure out what to do. I I was like paralyzed because I couldn't even figure out there was so much to do. I couldn't even figure out what to do. And that's a real loss of control moment. I think particularly, you know, going back to that idea of like, I mean, you are like this too, where you are, you're a high performing person. Right. And so that is such a foreign feeling. And then you really have lost yourself because not only now are you totally out of control and you can't figure out what to prioritize, but then you don't even recognize yourself because you're like, I'm not even all the things that I've, that I've like my, my skills that I've relied on to progress in my life. None of them are functioning. Right. It's really hard. And I think, and, and that's why I think that when I was answering those questions, it hit me so hard because I thought this, it was reminiscent. It was reminiscent of, of being a new mom in a way. Again, of course, the difference is when I was a new mom, there was a lot of joy in that and choice in that. But that idea of not being able to concentrate, that was hard for me as a new mom of suddenly not having my, my, abilities laser focused in the way that I was used to Mm -hmm. because all these other things were creeping in. Like you said, all those other lists of things that had to get done and that it was, and again, we've talked about this before in a lot of households with, with young kids, so many, so much of the logistics of moving life along, uh, you know, of the forms of the doctor's appointments. So much of that falls to the, 
to women. It yes. just does. It I does. mean, there's just no getting around that. I don't, I really don't know anybody else that I was mothering at the same time that I was where the husband handled the logistics. And this isn't a criticism of men. Just for whatever reason, that's how it always seems to fall. And when you layer that on with a full-time career, it is paralyzing in a way because there's just so much. And I think that was what was hard for me is I've been away from that feeling for so long. And then to be back at that point sort of unexpectedly. It was kind of, again, that was paralyzing for me because yeah. I, I just didn't understand how I had gotten here. Yeah. And so it was just, it was, it was so overwhelming. And then once I was in it, it was just this cycle of, I don't know, I don't know how to extricate myself from this. I mean, I love my mother. I feel responsible for her, but I'm one of four daughters. How am I, like, how, how am I here? I mean, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't, like, it was like everything had changed. Yeah. And so... It, it, the the burnout in in terms of that was so profound that it really took, and this was what was weird about it, it took my sister coming here and looking at me and going, oh, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 we, we got it. We've, we've all got to pull together and figure out a different solution because this is killing you. It's interesting that you say that because to me then what I'm hearing is that it's a recognition that you needed some better boundaries. I mean, and however yeah. you institute that is going to be, you know, some of that is going to come from like some self work and you have to having to figure out, okay, whoa, I've got to redefine my boundaries here. And then some of that is going to come from then, of course, changing the situation right. and, and, and shifting like some external forces. And it makes me think a lot about some moments that I've had as I've, as I've talked about that post panic attack era of my life and sort of figuring out how to not get back there and how to stay more regulated. And I mean, I have had moments in particularly in like pandemic and three children and managing a big career and my husband's and all of these things where I have gone into the bathroom and I have like been shallowly breathing and been saying to myself, like, I've got to get out of this. Like, I've yeah. got to get out of this. Yeah. And I can, and, and as you're saying, as you're describing the situation of feeling like so overwhelmed with the care of your mom, that's exactly what I could imagine that you were doing. I, I don't know, but like feeling like, like, I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. And it, and it took me because I also was thinking like, it's not like I really want to get out of like, leaving my family, but I was having moments of like fantasizing about like getting in the car and just driving and being like, I've got to like get out of this is what I was thinking. Like every single thing was feeling so overwhelming. And I, and, and to me then what it really came back to was working in therapy on boundaries and significantly boundaries in like just in particularly in my marriage of like, I had to establish some boundaries so that I wasn't taking on everybody else's crap all the time. No. And this is what you're talking about is really important. And I having boundaries and making sure that you understand what you're saying yes to or what you're inviting into your life is super important. And I think partly too What I was experiencing in the last 10 months of feeling, I'm not good if I feel trapped. Yeah. Like that. You're a wild animal. You're a cheetah. You're a cheaty cheetah, as Glennon Doyle would say. Yeah. I I tend to think of myself as a fast moving squirrel, but I'll take (laughs) cheetah. 
I'll absolutely take Sheeta. And so what was weird for me is this feeling of being trapped by the situation. And to to my mom's point, I mean, she could not have been nicer and sweeter and more grateful, but she's battling things that are horrific. And, yeah. and at some point, I'll get her approval to talk about what she's been through, because I think there's some real sort of end of life things that that when we talk about best than us, we should be talking about. I yeah. just, I didn't talk about this with her in advance, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But, you know, she's, she's, this has not been easy for her either, but it's her situation. And she was always acutely aware of how the turn that this has taken and how difficult it was for me. But part of when you talk about boundaries, I know this about myself, is I have to feel I'm really good with boundaries probably too much so, probably to a point of selfishness that I, except when it comes to the kids, which is weird, but I felt so trapped and that really affects my mental health. And when you were talking about that idea of wanting to just get away, Mm -hmm. I will tell you, Elizabeth, I know exactly that feeling you're talking about when I had young children, that there were times when... When I was so overwhelmed as a as a mother, and I think this was probably fairly hurtful. I know it was hurtful to Ian, where I had left a job that I loved. I loved more than anything, and I wanted to get back to it. That I was actually like looking at apartments in other cities and saying like, hey, I could really make this work. And for a time... I did have a job in a different city from where my family lived and I was commuting back and forth. And that's how strongly I felt about keeping my life the way I wanted it to be. And this brings us back full circle to discernment when that was crazy and I was traveling and I was only doing it short term projects where I really had to discern what does my life look like? How can I live within the family that I've created and and find what I need within that within that bound within those boundaries and within the world that I've created. I mean, it's hard, but it goes back again. I think the times where I've made mistakes in my life were when I didn't do proper discernment. Yes, and and that's partly what happened in this last ten months. Is I don't think I fully thought thought through everything, and then just some health circumstances with my mom changed very quickly. And so, you know, circumstance and probably a lack of discernment got me into a situation which was, which quite frankly, in parts of it, I felt pretty broken. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's Marjorie. burnout. That's like but amazing that's that you're sharing that. I know that's amazing. And I think it's so interesting how we have these conversations and we, you and I had planned just to give you guys like a little peek behind the curtain. Like we'd planned to talk about this burnout topic and you sent me a note and we do this all the time where we're like, Hey, I think this is a good topic. I want to talk about it. And then if you say that, I don't really think too much about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is going to be the one that Marjorie's going to, she's going to have things. And then I'm going to have thoughts and it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, just like when we have a yeah. guest on that I've picked, yeah. I'm like, don't worry about it. I've got this person. It's going to be great. Right. Just, and then you show it's up fine. and then you learn. And it's like amazing. And I love how we like, we have such a good like back and forth flow with that about just that's I mean, that's true trust in a partner. And then that's yeah. also a, a deep, authentic interest in what the other person brings to the table. But then I said, you know, I got I got these emails about you. You said, I think this conversation is going to flow really beautifully after we talked about mom guilt. And I said, oh, you know, I've gotten these emails. What do you think? Maybe I'll share some of these. You said, yeah, share them. And you had not 
heard anything about that email about discernment. I hadn't shared that story with you that our listener sent to me about the priest's advice and look at how it all comes together. I think there's just like such a divine nature to these conversations and to these topics because they, it just shows up when it needs to show up. Show up. And I hope it's showing up for somebody who's listening. Me too. I agree. Because it just, it's, it's so important. When we talk about best of the nest, it, it's it's not just a platitude. Right. It really is about really trying to navigate your life in a way so that you can look back when you're 50, when you're 60, and think, I lived my life because I thought it through, and I made the choices that I needed to make that were good for me and good for my family. So... It's good stuff. If you're enjoying this podcast, we certainly are. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Frankly, even if it was just two, us two and no one listened, we would still do this conversation. We, we would. We would. We got, we got a wonderful a review from Wumi C. And I just love this. She wrote, listening to this podcast has become one of my favorite parts of the week. I love all the topics discussed and can deeply relate to the thoughts and feelings expressed. On the surface level, I love hearing the recommendations for things to read, watch, and different products to try. But going deeper, what I really love is that I just feel better emotionally after listening, either from feeling validation that I'm not the only one who struggles to balance all aspects of life, and that's okay, but also to feeling inspired that while perfection isn't the goal, improvement is, and I often find myself asking what little changes I can make to improve things. I feel like I'm chatting with an old friend when I listen to Marjorie and Elizabeth. I cannot recommend this podcast enough. And I just want to say thank you for those kind words, because those matter to us. Because we we want we want to have connection. So thank you. And find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. Remember, we are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.